Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. My name is David, David Whitmarsh. I grew up in Rich Hill. Uh, it's a great village and um, not very far away. I did go to Kleina. I don't know if any of you went to Kleina. Um, I tell everybody where I go, I, I went to Kleina and they all look at me. But it was a great school. I see they've got a production on again uh, this week, so it should be good. And uh, then I went to the college and I, I ended up in England for 31 years. So you probably maybe think I'm English. Um, I was quite shocked. The solicitor asked me when I was buying a house, um, and, and uh, my wife clearly is from Portadown, and she said, and what part of England are you from? <laughs> we, we speak like this so that English people understand us. If you're English, that's why I speak like this, and it's a little bit different. But it's lovely to be with you, and lovely to share God's word with you, and to uh, share with you my heart for the poor, and uh, particularly we're thinking of Togo today, and I want to think of, um, it's French-speaking, and it's south of Sahara. How many people have ever visited south of the Sahara? One. Okay. It's, it's nice and hot there, usually, so that's definitely a good thing. But by 2030, 90% of the world's poor, that's abject poor. So the U, U, UNICEF define abject poor as living on less than $2.40 a day. $2.40, think about that, okay? So you, that's one coffee. The abject poor, the number of people living in abject poor, 90% of the children will live in sub-Sahara Africa by 2030. And that's why I'm pleased to bring you um, some children from Togo this morning. And I believe you can help make a difference in their lives for a very small amount. It's a pound a day. That totally changes the family's life as well as the child's life. And to have that guaranteed income coming in each month means that they get fed nutritious meals. And believe me, if one child gets fed a nutritious meal, the whole family enjoy a nutritious meal. Means the child will have a uniform to go to school. They'll have their school fees paid. They're nominal compared to our um, school uh, costs. Um, they'll have their school fees paid, paid Monday to Friday. They'll attend a project at the church, the local church. And they'll also um, have health checks. They'll have a Bible of their own. And believe me, they'll be well looked after um, from a safeguarding point of view uh, by social workers who visit them at home. I've got some um, pictures here. Um, let's go back a little bit if we can. This is why I love compassion. Uh, number one, it's Christ-centered. Social work is good and teachers are good and nurses are even better. Did you get that? But the most important thing of all is to share Jesus with people. Because Jesus changes lives. And everything we do is Christ-centered. And the second one is church-based. We believe the local church is blessed by God, ordained by God to be the witness in the local community. We believe God uses the local church. The local church knows the need of the local community best. 
the local church's best place to minister to the uh, needy and to change their destiny because they know Jesus. So those are two C's, Christ-centered, church-based, and the third one is child-focused. We believe no child should live in poverty. And if it was down to me, we would have not just 300 kids in each project, we would have thousands. I was in a project in, in Nairobi, a slum of 500,000 people living in a shanty town, really. I'll, I'll be honest with you, my grandfather had pigs in the 60s, and he kept them in concrete-built sheds with a corrugated iron roof, down at the birches, some of you will know the birches, and a corrugated iron roof with these, and that's exactly where people were living. We visited one single parent, and she was living with her five children in this, I'll be honest, it was honestly like a pig house. And she was so proud that she kept the floor clean, and her husband had walked out when the fifth child was due because he could cope with four but not five, and he left. So you realize things are very different in the developing world, and you need, the, the need is huge, and yet a pound a day, 28 pounds a month can make a huge difference to their lives. Let's try the next one now. A little bit about Togo. Thank you. Uh, this is where it is, just in case you didn't know. It's just uh, around the corner and underneath. Um, this is the widest part of Africa, and uh, so that you can see where Togo is. It's French-speaking, and um, it looks really nice. There's beautiful palm-fringed beaches, and, um, but there's a lot of poverty. Thank you. Togo works particularly, in Togo we work where there's bamboo walls, dirt floors, leaves and grass thatched roofs. Thank you. And 20% of the population have access to basic sanitation. I don't know if you, you've ever thought about this. Basic, we take it for granted, don't we? Um, my granny, this is going back to the 60s, she didn't have a flush toilet. I used to take my kids to camp and they used to have a little song they sang coming home in the car and it was, I'm dreaming of a flush toilet. <laughs> we take it for granted nowadays, don't we? Everywhere has got, uh, a friend of mine used to ask me every time I moved house, how many toilets do you have now? Because we have one, two, three, Four toilets, we think nothing of it, we have fresh water. In Togo, 20% only have access to basic sanitation. 15% of the children aged under five are underweight, and 40%, 46 per 1,000 is the mortality rate. That means nothing unless you know what the mortality rate in Northern Ireland per 1,000 is. Anyone like to tell me? It's about 4.8. So you're 10 times more likely to lose a baby in Togo than you are in Portadown. It's quite frightening, really. Population total, 8.8 million. It's probably 1.9 million in Northern Ireland. So it's four times the size of Northern Ireland population-wise. It's much bigger uh, land area. 55% are living on less than $2.40 a day. And through our churches, Compassion Serve 71,200 children through 290 
FCPs. I put FC, it stands for Field Church Partners. So there are 290 churches working with us in Togo. And I'm sorry for the abbreviation. Thank you. I don't know if you like receiving a letter. My grandchildren live in Cheltenham and New York State, a place called Pattersonville. So my grandchildren love to receive letters. And it's mainly because Granny puts a note in, you know? One of those notes that you take to the bank. <laughs> or you can have sweets at the shop. And they've got one shop about half an hour's drive away where you can get Cadbury's chocolate. And that's their favorite. They just, they don't let this Hershey bar. They, they love the Cadbury's. Uh, it's lovely to receive a letter. It's lovely to have a thank you back. In fact, we usually keep the thank you letters for ages. And thank you means so much. Can you imagine having very little and somebody from Portadown sponsors you and says, I believe in you. I want to encourage you to be part of my family. I can make a difference in your life and I'll guarantee you a pound a day until you leave education. That's huge. Can you imagine turning up at the project on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock and finding out there's a letter from your sponsor in Portadown? Now, you might not have thought much about writing the letter, but can I tell you the children keep the letter? I met a, a, a guy, he's an assistant pastor in the Ulster Temple. He grew up in India and he was sponsored by uh, children in a church. And as I drove with him uh, to Dublin, he opened a folder and he had in the folder every single letter that the children from that church had written to him while he was growing up. That's how huge writing letters is. I call it love in an envelope. It just is amazing to know that someone in Portadown loves them, cares for them, believes in them, and believes their destiny can be different to their parents. Thank you. Pray with us. Uh, can I encourage you to pray for Togo? Pray for the children. Uh, pray for God's provision for those who have lost their jobs. They, they really need work, just like we need work. And um, sadly, they eat only when they work. So they, they, it's almost like biblical times. They turn up at the street corners early in the morning, and if someone needs them to work, they'll pick them up at the street corner, and they'll have worked for the day. If they work for the day, then they have a meal and if they, if they don't, they don't eat, unless they're part of a child sponsorship program. So pray for those who have lost their jobs. Um, pray for the leaders, for the local churches as they serve their, church, their communities. The need is huge. Uh, the 500,000 living in that slum in Nairobi, 500,000 altogether, 300 were in the Compassion Project and the wall around the church was like, not quite Northern Ireland height, but over six foot high, because there were children looking in to see what was going on in the project, but the church just couldn't cope with more than 300. Pray for those who are outside. Pray that more will be able to be done.
Pray for Esther and many other children in the Compassion Projects in Togo. Thank you. Now, I've got a Bible reading. Um, it's just 10 verses. If you'd like to turn with me to Matthew 15, and I'll try and read it together. I'll be honest with you, I've forgotten my glasses. So this will be interesting, okay? Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and led them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, and the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion for these people, for they have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want them to go away hungry, for they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and then turned to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were 4,000, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into a boat and went to the vicinity of Magdalene. An amazing story. 4,000, okay? Previous chapter, there were 5,000. The 5,000 might have been 25,000 when you include the women and children. The four here may have been 20,000. Certainly a huge crowd, and it was a miracle. Let's be very clear. God was here. God did a miracle this day in feeding so many people. The previous chapter, um, they were mainly Jews. This part of the Sea of Galilee, they were mainly Gentiles. And whether it's just to show um, there's no partiality with God, I don't know. But certainly, God loves the Gentiles just as much as the Jews. And God has made a way for Gentiles, like you and me probably, um, to be right with God and to know God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the first thing I want you to notice about this passage is that Jesus had compassion. And I love that word because it's a doing word, an action word. Um, it, it's not just uh, pity. And, and we often think if, if a child asks you, what does compassion mean? My first reaction uh, used to be pity. It's pity, okay? So Jesus had pity on the people, you could say, because They'd been with them three days, they'd had nothing to eat, and they, they would be too weak to walk home. Seems fair enough. But actually, compassion's much bigger than that. It's a doing word. So not only did he feel in his gut this feeling of empathy and this feeling of 
identification with the people who'd been there and eaten nothing. He actually wanted to do something about it. And he said to the disciples, look, we've got to look after these people before we send them away. They had witnessed healing miracles. God had been at work, but they were going to see something even greater. God is a God of compassion. And he says to you and me, be compassionate people. And the one great verse where I want you to see compassion in action is John 3.16. Now, it doesn't say compassion, but it's full of compassion because God so loved the world. Okay, do you see the love? That's the empathy. That's the pity, the identification with the world. He knew you and he knew me and he knew our state, our sinfulness, and he didn't just say, oh, those poor people, they're going to be damned forever in hell. No, he didn't leave it at that. Because read the rest of the verse, God so loved the world that he gave. Do you see that? An action word, an action verb. He gave. He gave because he loved. And the two go together, and that's compassion. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And that, that's compassionate. And here we see in this miracle in Matthew 15, that same compassion, that action. He didn't just feel about the people. He didn't empathize with them just. He wanted to do something. And in our generation, we are bombarded with information. I don't know if you ever feel like information overload. You have the phone, uh, you have the television, you have the radio in the car. Everything's giving you information, and it's like information overloads. Someone said to me recently, one death is a tragedy. Ten deaths is a statistic. And when we get to 1,000 deaths or 1 million deaths, it's a statistic. It's very difficult to identify with it. But when it's John or Mary or whoever that we know, that's a tragedy. And there have been tragedies in our area, and we've lost, sadly, people. And we've, we've been heartbroken. And I'm sure you've been there. You've understood what it is to have compassion for their families. And you've been able to sit with them and weep with them and you've been able to be there with them. And Jesus was here. He was showing compassion on these people who had sat and were tired and hungry. Then I want you to notice the next thing. He said to the disciples, what are we going to do? But they were fearful. Fear is the curse of our day, really. People are afraid, so they, they don't do anything. They wait and wait. They don't do anything. And it's almost like the devil has paralyzed us with fear, and he wants us to do nothing. And these people thought, the problem's too big. We can't solve it. Even though not long ago, in a different part of Galilee, they'd fed 5,000 plus. Here they were, again, wondering what they were going to do because they'd never get enough food for this crowd. And so they were waiting, 
and they were fearful. We'll never be able to sort this. In this remote place, we'll never have enough to feed all these people. And you know, we can be fearful. There's lots to be fearful in our generation. There's lots to bog us down and lots to freeze us. You know, fight or flight, we usually freeze with fright. But God wants us to do something. He wants us to be listening to Him and He wants us to act, to be compassionate, to show His love and to be gracious to others. And I love it that Jesus says in verse 34, what do you have? And we all have something. We live in a, an amazing place. I'm guessing most of you had a soft bed to lie on last night. Most of you have a dressing table and a wardrobe, a roof over your head, and some, some type of heating. Those five things put you and me in the top 2% of the wealthiest people in the world. And for people in Togo, we are living like millionaires to them, and they think we're very wealthy. Relatively speaking, 28 pounds a month doesn't go very far in Portadown. I know that. But believe me, 28 pounds a month in Togo is huge huge for the family, huge for the children, and it changes their outcome and their destiny. What do you have? Well, we've got seven loaves and a few fish. Doesn't sound much. 15,000, 20,000, I don't know how many thousands of people. What are we going to do with that? But this is God we're talking about. This is Jesus. This is God at work. And so He can take the little things and make them big. And that's absolutely amazing because there's more than enough if we partner with God. And you're sitting there thinking, well, 28 pounds isn't very much to me. But believe me, to a child in Togo, that's huge. You're changing everything for them. And seven loaves wasn't very much for the disciples. They thought, this is all we can muster up. And it may have been two or three days old, and they weren't that impressed with what they could bring with a few fish. But this is Jesus. Jesus turned up, and Jesus gave thanks to his Father. He thanked his Father for this bread and for the fish. And then the giving began. And he gave to his disciples and he gave to his disciples. And I love that word give because it's present continuous tense. He's continuing to give and to give and to give from the seven loaves and the, the few fish. And it says he kept on giving until everyone was satisfied. Isn't that amazing? Everyone was satisfied from seven loaves and a few fish. Little is much when God is in it. 28 pounds a month is huge. When God is at work, when the local church are being blessed by Orient Church, and they can care for the lonely, care for the lost, care for the poor, care for those who are in need. More than enough. 
if we partner with God. It's lovely to see what Jesus says about this. Give, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You will be poured, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I'm not suggesting you give in order to receive, but that's, that's how it works with God. God blesses a generous heart, a cheerful giver. God blesses those who don't just think of themselves, but actually can see a little bit left over where they can squeeze a way to give and to make a difference in the lives of children in Togo. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Proverbs is full of talking to us about the poor. God's heart is for the poor. He wants us to be interested in the poor. Speak up for them, for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up, judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs, if you ever, I, I try to read a, a chapter of Proverbs every, every day. You could do that every day for a month. Uh, there are 31, maybe not February, uh, but certainly January. January you can. And it's a great book and it's full of good, good, solid stuff for growing in the likeness of God. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.